Welcome to C3 Hobart Online. We hope that you enjoy this message today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, make sure that you listen till the end to find out how. As Kyle said at 8.43 this morning, the power went off. At nine o'clock we hold church. By two minutes to nine, a team of people with inside the church, those who were here at the time, had created an environment and an atmosphere in here, in the foyer, where that we could do this by acoustics. We had no mics, nothing. Our beautiful worship team got up and just with an acoustic guitar, the Congos and this, their, their pure voices, they just, they sung. There was some foot stomping and there were some things going on. But you see, there was nothing was going to stop the message coming out today. Can I tell you, it's no coincidence that it was this weekend, 12 months ago, where they closed the doors to our church. The authorities had to make a decision and I'm okay with that. But we were told on a Thursday, we knew things were happening, but we were told on a Thursday that this is potentially what was going to happen. And I remember standing underneath the, the, the Pastor Phil's painting over there. I was the last one left here on a Friday night and I just did a two minute, two video piece. And I remember saying in that, I just watched it in between the 9 and 11 service because I remember saying in that two-minute piece that I did is that no matter what happens, the message, the gospel message will still get out there. Two days later on the Sunday, it was at the time when we were allowed 20 in this building. It went down to further to five after that. But that Sunday, we were allowed 20 in the building. And guess where we held the service? right where you're sitting if you remember it we went live to YouTube for the very first time and we had tw over 1200 viewers you see the gospel cannot be stopped we live in a country that is free we live in a country where we don't face persecution and all of a sudden we had our doors closed, church changed, today the, the power goes off, whatever it might be. And it's too easy to be able to sit there and say, well, I thought everything was going to be okay. I woke up this morning and I had, a, I had a message that I was going to preach on healing. I've spent hours on this. I spent pain going through this because it's not easy to preach on healing. The two most contentious things that a preacher can preach on is giving and healing in a church. The reason being is because when you talk about healing, there are those who come in there and they expect to get healed and all of a sudden, maybe they're not healed and they walk out and all of a sudden, it's the church's fault. It's God's fault. I wasn't healed. And so I've challenged with this all week. Actually, for the last month, I've been challenged with this of, man, I just don't want to do this message. And then the power goes off. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not supposed to do this message. <laughs> and I actually feel that. I'm not going to preach the message that I had planned to preach, that I had copious notes and scriptures and stuff ready to go with. I'm going to preach something that 
came to me at about 11 minutes past nine while they were doing worship this morning. I normally don't apologise if things are out of place or stuff like that, but show me some grace. In fact, I've got to be really honest with you. When the power went out, my greatest thought wasn't about church, but it was about my fish. You see, two weeks ago, I actually got a fish tank up in my office. And I was going to just go, yeah, let's just get cold water fish and just put them in there and it'll look good. And now everyone said to me, no, you've got to get a filter and you've got to get a heater and all of this sort of stuff. Well, guess what? My fish didn't have a filter and a heater this morning. So just saying. By the way, if you wouldn't mind giving a little extra so I can buy some more fish on the way, that would be awesome. Only kidding, I buy them myself. But you see, when I woke up this morning and got on my knees and prayed and believed, and this is what we're going to do for church today, I saw myself standing on, on a stage in there and I saw this fall and I saw the baptisms and I believed in this and I saw these things happening, yet it didn't happen, right? 8.43, there's a transformer blows up out here. And instantly I'm thinking to myself, well, what about the poor hospital that needs to go to a generator? The houses that may be relying on stuff. Sometimes things don't work out the way we want to work it out. (laughs) Yet you've only got to look around. Actually do it because it's really awkward for them. Turn around. We're out the door, people. We're out the door. There was no power in this building. We're running off a generator and they were out the door. And this is the second service we've done this morning. You see, when those doors closed 12 months ago, there's been a lot of soul searching going on for pastors, for for preachers, for those in leadership within a church. And I've heard so many times the word revival spoken. And I want you to hear what I'm saying with this. Everything inside of me wants to see those who were lost, found. Those who were lost, set free. One of the greatest things that we do is our water baptisms. When someone makes a public declaration to say, I once was lost and now I am found. There is no turning back. So everything inside of me, I gave up my job. We stepped into ministry. My wife sacrificed everything. We stepped into ministry because we want to see those who were lost find Jesus in their life. And that is revival. But to me, also revival is this. Revival is when we fall in love with the church again. Revival is when someone who once was lost now is found, walks into church. They have no expectation. They don't know what's going on. They have no idea why you raise your hands. If you're from New South Wales, you probably think you're calling a try. They have no idea what's going on. They walk in hungry. I shared in the nine o'clock service. I love seeing when my to be then wife gave her life to Christ. She came from an unchurched background. Never was it spoken about Jesus in that household except in other ways. Yet I saw when she gave her life to Christ, the hunger that she had for the Word of God, 
she would pick up her Bible. She didn't know what Matthew, Mark, Luke and John was, but she would pick up hungry to know what has happened. And she walked into church and it wasn't this church, it was a different church. And she was excited to be there. She wasn't 10 minutes late, she was 10 minutes early for church every time. Church, when have we lost that hunger? You see, revival happens when we fall in love with the church again. Revival happens when a lost soul walks in and we embrace them and we give them the very best seat at the front and we love on them and we care for them. We don't look at them strange because they don't raise their hands. We don't look at them strange because they don't know the words. If we actually go by here, no one knew the words today because we didn't even have a screen. What we see in them is revival because revival is when we fall in love with the bride of Christ, which is His church. Is this okay? I'm just going to go off no notes with this. And I want to read one scripture that I just felt this morning, as I said, at 9-11. It's a story. It's found in the Old Testament of a mighty warrior called Naaman. And it says this, let me read it to you. It says, the king of Aram, you can follow it up on the screens. Ah, that's a joke for those who are normally here. We normally have it up on the screens, but we don't have a screen. The king of Aram had great admiration for Nahum, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Nahum was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. You know, I love that verse. I love a childlike faith. Urquhart, what an absolute pleasure it is to baptise you this morning, young man. That childlike faith. I love our kids' ministry. It's not babysitting. They're teaching them about Jesus. Goes on and says, So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, heap of gold and lots of clothing. Sounds like my trip's away. The letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my, ser- my servant, Naam. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. That's what he said. He said, I want you to heal him of his leprosy. So he goes with gifts. He goes with a letter. He goes towards who this is going to be. And he says, I want you to heal him of the, the affliction that he has. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and can take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. Who knows that sometimes we have the right intentions, but the other person has the wrong thoughts. We can go with the intention of, I just want to be healed. I just want to do this. Yet, yet we go there and the king there thinks to himself, well, hang on, he just wants to pick a fight with me. Because we've created such a thing in our lives where what we want to do is the first thing we do is instead of accepting someone who comes in our doors, we put up our barriers saying, oh yeah, but, but I saw them down the street and they're no good and they're no hoper. They're God's child. I've done it. I've been guilty. I've been guilty. But when Elisha The man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay. He sent his messenger 
message, sent this message to him. And he said, why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. I kind of feel a little bit sorry for Nahum in this one because he's suffering from a debilitating disease and now he had the highest expectation placed upon him that he was going to get well. Verse 9, So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. He's done everything that he was asked to do. He's now standing, waiting at the door of Elisha's house. I'm about to get healed. I'm sitting in the emergency department. I'm not going to go here. I was a paramedic for 21 years. But sometimes we can go with the expectation that I'm going to get well. And he's standing at the door of Elisha's house. Verse 10, listen to this. It says, But Elisha sent a message, a messenger out to him with a message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. Naaman became angry and he stalked away. I thought, he said, I thought he would come out to meet me and I expected him to wave his hand over me, call on his God and heal me. I thought and I expected I thought and I expected are two dangerous, dangerous things to have. You see, Naaman went there. He was put in a situation, but he went there and he thought and he expected that he would get well. And I'm not saying this as a pastor. I'm saying this as someone who sat in the pews for 47 years. But I often spurted out those same statements myself. I thought I would walk in the door and I would be okay. I expected more of them in me. Challenge is it, what happens is most often when we use I thought and I expected, it leads to disappointment. And disappointment leads to frustration and frustration leads to offence and offence leads to anger. And suddenly what started out as a desire to get well has become a spiritual battle in our own minds. Verse 12 says this, Naaman, the same one who went there and stood at the door of Elisha, knocked on his door, waited. A messenger comes out, says this in verse 12, it says, Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abayan and some other river, better than any of the other rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? And it said, so Naaman turned away in rage. What set out to be a healing, he turned away in rage. I'm going to speak to myself. Where's my challenge? Whether it be the church What about our families? What about our kids, our parenting? I thought that I'd be able to do this and I expected this, yet it hasn't turned out and frustration has led to offence and offence has turned to anger. What about in our workplaces? I walked 
into a new job and I thought it was going to be like this. I saw the ad and I saw the, the promo for it and I thought it was going to be like this. I, I expected it was going to be this and yet it's not. It's not the comfy seat and I don't have the corner office and I don't have the, the window overlooking the bay. And all of a sudden now, our frustration and what we thought was going to be a good thing, we all of a sudden become angry and our hearts become broken. Naaman had travelled a long way to get healed. Here's the thing about leprosy. Leprosy, it affects your peripherals, your, your, your non-medical people, your, your toes and your feet and, and your hands and fingers. To the point where sometimes you'll lose certain, certain limbs. Now he may have sat on a donkey, I don't know. He was of high standing. But to travel somewhere actually would have been a challenging thing for him to do. The other thing about this too, is leprosy actually affects your muscles. It creates weakness. So his vocal cords would have been weaker. And so, so to stand on the door and to shout out and say, I want to get well, would have created pain. thought and he expected and he turned away in anger Stevie our worship leader on Wednesday preached a a message here and she said this she said God's promises over our life are not complicated they're yes and amen the problem is is that sometimes we put expectations and thoughts on God that were never meant to be there in the first place. Is this a bit deep today, guys? Or is it a win a foyer? It's a little bit different. It's true, right? God's promises over our life are yes and amen. Yet we put thoughts and we put different expectations on it. And so when it doesn't work out the way we want to be it, we get angry and we get frustrated and we turn away in anger. You see, we complicate God by adding our human expectations to the equation. I love revival. I love the thought of revival. I love seeing people give their lives to Christ. I love when I see a church body embracing one another. Adrian, Robin, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing in our city. Thank you for the tears, the heartache. They're getting a message ready every Sunday morning. Thank you for putting your arms around people. I have a desire to see every church on a Sunday morning with a queue outside of their doors waiting to get in. I shared in the nine o'clock, I I drive along Sandy Bay Road on my way to church. I drive by myself because I'm really boring company because I'm just praying, so stay out of my way. And, And I see walkers and runners and groups of people going to get their coffee. And I know they're going to come to the 11 o'clock, so it's okay. 
but I'm praying for them. Are we praying for our neighbours? Or are we just putting thoughts and expectations on, on, on the church and on God or on, or on others to get stuff done? Are we actually going, you know what, I'm praying for my neighbour that he will find Jesus, that we will see revival. See, revival doesn't come if we just put expectations on others. Revival comes when we roll up our sleeves and say, I'm going to go next door and speak to my neighbour. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes. I believe that there will be many here today. Maybe you've come for the baptisms. Maybe you just thought, why are these hundreds of people sitting in a, in a, in a foyer? It looked a bit weird as you're walking past. Maybe you just had a prompting to come in today. And it may be that in your life, you were like me sitting in the pews and you had thoughts and expectations of what God should be in your life, what the church should be in your life. And it never came up to the mark, so, so, so you walked away. What I love about the rest of the story with Naaman is that he had those around him spoke life into him. He went and he went into the Jordan River and he was washed clean and he was set free. And maybe it is today that you've come and you just want to be set free. Maybe you've even been in church for a while, but it's just become a little bit much and you want to be set free. It's a different environment here today, but... If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Somewhere in this building here, just raise your hands. Thank you, I can see those hands there. Is there any others? Just a few more seconds. It's not what you expected this morning, well, neither it was for me either. You expected to come in and sit in a nice auditorium and we'd have the full band playing. Well, that's what I thought too. Yet God still said, I'm going to get my word out there. Twelve months ago, I didn't think that we'd be in a closed room, but God still got his word out. We did nine months of online services and we had people give their lives to Christ and call us up by simply watching TV. Is there anybody else just while all eyes are closed? Fantastic. I'm just going to pray for you. And then we're just going to close in a a song of worship. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the public declaration that four young people made today. To stand here with a a t-shirt on that says there is no turning back. I may not always get it right, but there is no turning back. I am believing. I am believing. I am going to make a public declaration in front of my family and my friends and say, you know what? I'm going to step into what God has for me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that that 
that can inspire us. Lord God, I pray for those where the message has come a little bit raw today. Maybe it's just sitting on heavy on our hearts. Heavenly Father, I pray that we just, you'll bring your sensitivity to it. You'll bring your anointing to it, Lord God. Meet us where we're at. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the church. I thank you that the church is us. The church is not a building. It's not the power that powers the building, Lord God. It's us. And I just pray, Heavenly Father, that we will see revival within our church that we will see that love of the church. In your mighty name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today at C3 Hobart Online. If you were impacted by this message or you'd like to know a bit more about our church and what we do, you can get in touch with us via our website, c3hobart.org.au. See you next time.